0: You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Lazarus was was his hometown. He was known and respected and he went in and he sat down and they were going to give him the honor of sharing the word, of reading the scripture. Uh, during that service, and so they handed him the scroll, he took the scroll, he unrolled it, and it was the book of Isaiah, and he found this passage of Scripture. This is a messianic passage of Scripture talking about who the Messiah, or what the Messiah was going to do when he came to the earth. A big, the biggest portion of what he was going to do. And so Jesus sits down, and he reads from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, what we just read. But he leaves off the last two lines. The, the two lines that I've underlined. He stops short at, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then he took the scroll and he rolled it back up and he handed it to the attendant. He said, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I believe that he stopped short of declaring vengeance. He, he stopped short of declaring that because That wasn't about to be fulfilled in their hearing that day. But more than that what he was declaring to them is that he (laughs) is the fulfillment of this prophecy that Jesus and Isaiah 61 is really a fulfillment of the year of Jubilee. It's a picture of what the year of Jubilee was. Uh, To restore the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. It was a It was a passage of restoration. And and basically, Isaiah 61 points back to Leviticus 25 that the Messiah would fulfill the year of Jubilee, that He would be our year of Jubilee. This is in a nutshell what Jesus is saying. I'm here. It's now. I am your year of Jubilee. I am the one who heals you. I am the one who restores you. I am the one who sets captives free today in your hearing, in my presence. I am he. And this is what Jesus is declaring to this audience. And they they loved it at first. At first. But then he began to tell them that that he began to turn it a little bit. and He began to tell them, this is the word of the Lord, but you're not going to accept it. And he said in the same way that Elijah was given the word of the Lord and didn't share it in his own hometown, he had to go out to another place to share the word of the Lord. In the same way Elisha was given the word of the Lord and he had to go out to another place and share the word of the Lord that was not his hometown, I have been given the word and I will not be able to share it here because the prophet's not accepted in his own hometown. And so that set him on edge, and they got angry with him, and it says they drove him out. They went from loving him and thinking what he just said was amazing to wanting to kill him. So they drive him out of the temple, and then the Bible says he slips through the crowd and disappears. God gives him that ability to get away. Nevertheless, Jesus declares to them and to us that he is the fulfillment of this. And the favorable year of the Lord wasn't just a one-year thing. It continues all the way to the present time. It's not to be taken literal, the favorable year. It means it started then with the coming of the Messiah, and it continues all the way to now. All of these promises that we see in this passage of Scripture are for us. And this is our mandate in Christ to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's our mandate as Christ's followers. That's our mandate. And it continues to this day. And the power to accomplish this continues to this day. So I want to talk about this word favor because it's a big word. And it's used a bunch of times in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, in Hebrew and in Greek. So let's just take a quick look at the word favor. Favor, or in the Greek, keras, It means favor, disposed to, inclined, favorable towards. And I love this, this kind of verb form. This is like the, the picture. In Greek, they use a lot of picture for what words mean. Pictures. It's a leaning towards to share and benefit. Which is exactly what God did with us. He initiated this relationship. Like the, like the famous picture from the Sistine Chapel depicts uh, God leans towards man. He reaches towards us to touch us. He initiates the restoration after the fall. It's that. It's the favor of God that is disposed to, incline favorable towards. It's a leaning towards and sharing in order to share and to benefit the one that you're reaching out to. This is the favor of God. There's um, a couple of ways that Favor is used in the New Testament. Um, And really the way that it's used, the context that it's used in really determines kind of the definition. But there's a real general form of favor. And we see that in Luke 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. This is when the angels come to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom His favor rests. And so God is reaching towards man with this favor. Think about this. I mean, God didn't send His Son here because He's mad at us. (laughs) Jesus didn't come because God was angry. He's here because He loves us. He's here because He wants us. He wants a relationship with us. And He wants a relationship with everyone outside these doors. His favor rests on men. He's leaning forward. He's reaching out. That's a general form of the word favor. But then there's a specific form of the word favor. In Luke 2.52 it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor. So does that mean that God loved Jesus more and more as His life progressed? No. That's not what that means. It's a specific use of the word charis. Charis is also interchangeable with the word grace. Grace and favor can Sort of be interchangeable words. Charis in the Greek can be used for both. Jesus increased, in and grace can be defined, or favor can also be defined as this, the power of God to do the will of God. So Jesus increased throughout His ministry in power in the Holy Spirit, and in wisdom, and in His ability to fulfill everything that the Father had given Him to do. So think about it this way. You've been given a specific amount of favor. A general amount of favor. God has leaned towards you to have a relationship with you. His favor rests on all men. But you're also given a very specific favor for the things that He's called you to do. There's a favor. There's a grace on your life. There's a gifting in you. You have gifts through the Holy Spirit and you have power And there's a grace and a favor to walk in those things for very specific reasons. Think about that. As you're looking into 2020, make that a prayer this year. Lord, as You look at me and as You look at my life, show me, Lord, reveal to me the specific favor that's on my life this year for the things that You want me to do. What are You calling me to this year? Maybe it's a new ministry. Maybe it's a new vocation. Maybe it's a new opportunity of some sort. But if God is calling you to it, there is a favor on you for it. There's a favor, there's a grace on you for accomplishing what He's calling you to uh, this year. And that's a good way uh, to approach maybe your prayer time is asking the Lord not only to reveal those things to you, reveal the favor that accompanies those things. Show me, um, show me what's in store as we as I walk in step with your spirit for 2020. So I want to look at the three aspects or the three things that really define favor kind of help to encapsulate favor. The favor of God is the pleasure of God. It's the power of God. And it's the purpose of God for your life. We're going to unpack this just a minute. And I've talked a little bit about God's pleasure. About what He sees when He looks at you. The way that he thinks about you. Um, we see this in the, the scripture, uh, this, the passage where the angel comes to Mary and he reveals to Mary that she's found favor in God's sight. Now, think about Mary's condition pregnant, afraid, certainly hadn't been, you know, has a, the, this child within her has not been fathered by Joseph, so there's a, a degree of confusion and shame. And fear, and this angel shows up. And this is what his words were. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. What? I mean, I doubt she looked at herself that way. In her current, in her present condition at that time. I seriously doubt that if if that she thought of herself as being favored in God's sight. And that's the first thing the angel says: greetings, favored one the Lord is with you. Yes! Man, that's something to get excited about right there. I, just, I could stop short. If an angel said that to me, the Lord is with you, whew, man, that's all I need to hear. But he goes on. But she was very perplexed at this statement, and we just talked about why. And she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and you'll name him Jesus. And he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. That's awesome. Just let that soak in. Here's here's somebody who is in what we would think would be the exact opposite position to receive anything like that. She would at least count herself out in that way. And the Lord comes to her and says, don't be afraid. you found favor with God. He is reaching towards Mary with favor. So we look at the pleasure of God. God is reaching towards you today. He loves you. He's pleased with you. He's not asking you to dance to a certain tune to gain His pleasure. Just like I don't ask my kids to perform for me to gain my pleasure. I love them. I love them just like they are. I'm training them. I'm disciplining them. And I'm showing them the way to walk uprightly. But they're not doing anything to earn my pleasure. They live in it. They live in my pleasure all the time. And so do you. So let that be an encouragement to you this morning. This is a sign that hangs in our house, um, and uh, our own Heather Rucker made this sign for us. And um, little story about this sign, though—you're <laughs> already laughing. It's uh, if you know the kind of year that we've had, um, this is this is this declaration that hung on our wall this year was almost like. And, um, almost like a mock to us, because we had one of the toughest years that I can remember, um, just if you you know what I mean, you've had, you've had those seasons where it just feels like life is on the top ropes and dropping off on you with elbow drops on your head. And every time you start to get up off the mat, something new just comes raining down on you. And I mean, it was anything from financial issues to sicknesses to broken bones to ER visits to personal conflicts with people to uh, job stress to uh, pay cuts. To you just, ne- And every month it seemed just about something major in our house broke that cost about $1,000. I don't know about you, does anybody have an extra $1,000 laying around every month? It was just like, what is going on? And we hung this sign up at the beginning of the year you know, didn't you make this for us for Christmas? I think it... Yeah, it was going to be. And, uh, and so we just claimed it. We put it on our wall. We're like, this will be the year of favor. You know, amen, hallelujah. And it just went... You know, just right off the cliff. And every time we would walk by that sign, because we hung it right over our piano. You know, we went in the living room. We wanted to see it. We wanted to remind ourselves... This is the year of favor. We are walking in God's favor, <laughs> and every time we walked by that sign, it was just like, "Wow!" And so eventually, I came home one day, and the sign was taken down. I was like, "Where's the sign? What happened to the sign?" And Emily said, "I couldn't take it anymore, and so <laughs> it was out in the shed." So, so our wall stayed bare, you know, for a while, and then I began to think about. It. I think the Lord began to reveal something to me. And he said this is what he showed me you're thinking of me like some kind of dysfunctional dad like if you're not doing because that's what we do when stuff starts going wrong in our lives especially when it piles up like that you start thinking what did I do what did I do to deserve this what did I where did I go wrong you're like you start accusing yourself like job's friends you know like what did we do? where did we go wrong I've been trying to pursue God and And the Lord just reminded me, that is not what my favor is. That is not what my favor is. You have my favor. I am pleased with you. And your circumstances and situations don't define what my favor is. My relationship with you defines my favor, my pleasure for you and towards you. And you have that. So I went out to the shed and I grabbed that sign and I brought it back in and I hung it up. And I was like, the spirit of favor is on the cook's home in Jesus' name. And I had a little prayer session. Like, I am not throwing in the towel. And things got worse. <laughs> things got worse. We just, uh, we had another, oh man, it was just, things went, just got worse. But I hung on, but I'm just hanging on to that because I said, Lord, you are good. Like the songs we sang this morning and like the prayer that was prayed. God is good, man. He is good. And circumstances don't define, determine if he's good or not. Situations don't. He's good because he's good. And I'm in his favor because I'm his child. And I want you to know that every one of those situations this year, God turned around in some way or another, and we still saw His hand move, provision coming out of literally nowhere sometimes to meet needs, um, crazy stuff, healing, and uh, you you name it. It was just we just every time we turned around, and even personal conflicts with people, God used it to make me get into my own heart and really. Figure out what was really important to me and really, you know, determine some things that needed to be determined about uh, ways that I was thinking about things. God used every single thing this year for our good. And so for that, I say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's favor. That's favor. Sometimes we think if everything isn't going great and things are falling apart. There, there's some sort of failure. And I'm not saying that there's not also a process of reaping and sowing because that is a, that is a process. The Word says God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. So sometimes if we're sowing sinfulness or a sinful pattern of behavior, you reap that. But when you're not and things are falling, off, are falling apart on you, that's when you tend to look inward and start asking those questions. But God used everything this year for our good, and I just want to ask you, what has He used this year for your good that didn't feel good? What has He used this year in your life that was favor, but it didn't feel like favor? What has He used in your life this year to grow you, to mature you, to to round off some rough edges and, and to reveal His heart to you and to give you a deeper look into your heart? Into your own heart. That's something we don't, I don't certainly don't pray for that, but God does it. God knows how to use just the right measures to get inside of our heart. So, real quickly, we're just going to fly through these from 30,000 feet. The favor of God is the pleasure of God, which we just talked about. It's also the power of God. Look back at this scripture. Um, Mary said back to the angel after he gives her this promise, she says to the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to Your Word. And then the angel departed. So the angel revealed to Mary that she has favor. God loves her. There's a favor. A general favor of God leaning towards her and a very specific favor upon her for doing something very specific. Very important. And it's going to take the accompanying power of god to do it there's no other way for this to happen other than supernaturally no other way so god shows mary that there's a power that is going to come up on you for this to happen this is what i want to say to you today as you're looking into the next year what are the things that god's calling you to And what is the power that He's giving you to accomplish those things and begin to pray into that right now? There's only one way to advance a supernatural kingdom. Supernaturally. With the power of God. There's only one way for doors to open that should not open for you. There's only one way for mountains to move that should not move for you this year. There's only one way for things to happen Powerful things to happen that you can't make happen. And that's through Him. So just be expecting when we come together like this to worship, when we come together in the month of January to worship, and we come to pray. I want you to come expecting, come believing. And I want you to ask God for power not to do the things that you can do naturally. if we could do that, we don't need Him. But I, I want you to begin to ask the Lord to do the things that only He can do in your life, through your life, to see crazy stuff happen. Stuff that you can only dream about. Stuff that you can only, in your wildest imagination, that you could see happening. Your whole workplace transformed for the glory of God. Your prodigal children coming back home. You sick, loved ones, healed. God using your life to reach a city. Why not? God using you in in what we would say, ah, that's dreaming. Why not? Why not dream? Why not? It's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to be. There's a power. I mean, can you imagine this? Mary, even after getting the answer, I'm sure she had to go away still thinking, Wow. How? How? It's the power of God that accomplishes His purposes. And it's the same power that came upon Mary is the same power that's in you right now through the Holy Spirit. You have the same power today to do the things that God is calling us to do. The last one here is the purpose of God. So favor of God is the pleasure of God. His leaning towards us it's the power of God, His empowering us to do the impossible. And it's the purpose of God. It's the things that God is calling you to this year. that there's favor on certain things for you. There's, there are things that are ordained for you. There are the things that Ephesians talks about that were ordained for you before you were, beca- before the world began. They were foreordained long ago. They're in the book for you this year to accomplish. There are favored purposes with your name on them. And only you can accomplish those things. God wants to see you move in faith this year. He wants to see me move in faith this year. It delights His heart. In fact, His eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for the heart that says, yes! I'll do it. Yes. I'll I'll do that, Lord. Let me have it. Let me be the one. Let me step up and do this, Lord. He's looking for that heart. Why? So that He can get behind you and strongly support what you're saying yes to. That's the scripture. That's the promise. His eyes are going to and fro from 2020. Who will say yes? Who will say yes? Who will say yes? And when He finds that our heart, it's like a magnet. He's drawn to that heart to strongly support you in whatever you're being called to do. There's, um, there's a, uh, something that we started doing as a family this year. Uh, it, actually, Emily initiated I'm so glad she did. But um, we spend some time together at the end of every day just us and the kids. Devices turned off. No distractions. Everything put aside. And we invest about an hour or so every evening just with each other in, in focusing on um, the Lord. And so uh, the way that we've been doing that is we've been working our way through a book. And the book that we have started with is The Cross and the Switchblade. Everybody oh, read that? Oh, Come on. It's old school. But it is good. <laughs> Stuff. I can't believe I'd, I'd never read it up to this point. And it's so cool the connection that this church has with David Wilkerson and um, just amazing. So, um, so, we've been reading a couple of chapters from the cross and the switchblade uh, every evening with the kids. Emily reads it out loud, and then whenever we're done, we, we just kind of discuss, just kind of debrief what we read. And man, it is just mind blowing the way that God. Uh, uh, just again and again and again faithfully shows up in David Wilkerson's life because of just the simplest step of obedience. Literally, God, he, his heart so belonged to God that he would literally drive through New, New York City sometimes looking for people that he couldn't find. He Like one particular story, he had to be at a house. He didn't even know the address, but knew that there were people in there that he needed to connect with. And he said, Lord... You're just going to have to guide my car there. And this is New York City. So he's turning right, turning left. He ends up um, in the bad part of town. And he pulls up and he just stops his car. And he sees a kid walking down the street and he's like, I'm looking for this address. And the kid says, oh, you're here. You're like right here. And it's just learning to follow God and make, make every choice to obey literally down to the turn right, turn left type stuff. But when you learn to obey and follow God that way and walk with Him by faith in that way, you see things that only people who do that get to see. Now I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people in 2020 that hangs on every word that God says and gets to see the amazing stuff that we were created to see. I'm hungry for it. I long for it. Um, I'm going to close this morning. Another book that we've been reading this year is by uh, about a German evangelist. Is German Reinhard Bonnke. He just passed away, actually, um, just a couple months ago. And great man of God. He's like the German Billy Graham. <laughs> he has like I think the record for if anybody's keeping record for like most salvations in. One place he has a heart for Africa, and um, he's you know his ministry basically focused on Africa. He did most of his evangelism uh, there, and um, he was real a guy that was real similar to David Wilkerson, just really passionate about God and passionate about reaching the lost, and just willing to do anything God said to do, no matter what. And that that pretty much sums up who Reinhard Bonnke uh, was. Um, just an incredible. Incredible evangelist. Incredible man of God. And um, I'm going to close this morning. Tener, you can come. I'm going to share just a short passage from this book. Uh, We've been reading this one kind of alternating the cross and the switchblade with this one. Share a story this morning as we're closing and we're thinking about the favor that rests upon the purposes of God that He has for your life this year. I I want to close as thinking about that. The things that God is calling you to. His favor for those specific purposes. And uh, Reinhardt Bonnke, in a 1973, was a young missionary, and this was in South Africa. Uh, this particular story that I'm going to read, um, and this is—he was younger. It was 1973. He was a young missionary, and a church had invited him to come up and speak uh, up to uh, up to a small town and. Uh, this little town was called uh, Kimberley, and it uh, was known for diamond mining. And they had mined, it was a mountain mountain community, and they had, they had mined millions and millions of dollars worth of diamonds out of this little community. And uh, so it was kind of popular for that. But um, Reinhard Bonnke goes to share at this church, and he notices, um, like, it's devoid. It's like empty of young people. He's like, "Where's all the young people?" You know, he preaches. It's a he, the way he describes it as a crowd of mostly gray and silver hair. And he said, he said it was awesome, and the people were really passionate. But he just God kept showing him like, "There's no young people here, and there's a reason for that." So when it was over, he goes to the pastor, and and you know, the pastor was thanking him, and and he asked the question, "Where's, where's your young people? Like for a church this size?" And he said, do you really want to know? Yeah, I'd like to know. He said, well, let's take a ride. So they get in the car and they, they, they go for a ride. And he takes him to the edge of town. And there is a, um, this is 1973. So there's a discotheque at the edge of town. And he said, uh, he said this pastor says to Reinhardt, he says, there's all our young people. That's where they're finding community. That's where they're finding their happiness. And so Reinhard is just blown away. He can't believe it. He says, wow, I've never, I don't even know what a discotheque is. What is it? And, you know, they're brand new at this time. So the pastor takes him out, and then uh, he's showing him, kind of showing him the outside of the building. And there, he says, why don't we go inside? And Reinhard's like, oh, well, I don't know about that. So that's where I'll pick it up. Howard is the pastor's name. Howard got out and stood for a while, leaning against the hood of his car, listening. And I got out too and stood next to him. We can hear the music now above the booming bass. Uh, above the booming bass, I couldn't really call it music. I thought of how gently I played my piano accordion, singing happy songs about Jesus to attract crowds on the streets of Lesotho. Lesser- though. The sound of my little accordion here would have been completely drowned out. No one would have even taken notice at all, and I began to feel small and insignificant. What do the young people do in the disco, Howard? I asked. He shook his head and mystified, I don't know. I truly don't know. And after a while, he said, well, let's go in. Oh, no. I said, let's go home. I've never gone to such a place. It would be an abomination to me. I I wouldn't know how to act, and what would people think of me, a preacher? It's unthinkable. To this moment, I had uh, gone along with Howard simply out of curiosity. Where were the young people, I'd asked. Now I knew. It was a sad reality of modern life, but I could do nothing to fix the gulf between young and old in Kimberley, nor anywhere else in the world. Only a revival of faith in Jesus could do that. I would go back and preach my heart out to the older people again on Saturday and Sunday, and perhaps God would move on their hearts and then make a difference in the lives of their young people. That seemed to be the best I could hope to achieve. But as I turned to get into the car, I felt bad inside. I stopped in my tracks. This is when the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And since I had come this far, nothing seemed wrong. Uh, Nothing seemed wrong if I now turned, something seemed wrong if I now turned away after hearing this voice. But I had no idea what the Spirit wanted me to do. I just couldn't leave. Suddenly, this seemed exactly right, and everything in my spirit said yes, and I nodded. Okay, let's just take a look inside this disco. We began to walk around the building. What would I do? I had no idea. It was against everything in my body and my mind, but not against my spirit. I simply obeyed. We came to the door and stood there, and I felt the spirit say to me very clearly, Look inside. I will show you something you do not know. I took a deep breath and then I opened the door and the blast of music must have knocked the hair back from my forehead. I've never heard such volume in my life. It was deafening, but it was in that instant that I received a spiritual vision of the reality of the disco. In the flash of the strobe lights, I did not see young people dancing with joy. I saw frozen images of boredom, fear, loneliness, and insecurity. One after the other captured on the faces of those young people. The split-second flashes of light revealed these images, and over and over and over again, like stop action. Each of those haunted faces spoke to me of emptiness, pure emptiness. Now I knew what the Spirit had wanted me to know. It was not what I had expected to see. These young people were coming to the disco, seeking something they did not find. No matter how they threw themselves into the beat of the music, it always came out the same, empty. I understood in that moment that I had what they were looking for. I could show them the way to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I could show them the power to live a life of joy in spite of the world's many disappointments. But all the blessings of life in Jesus would never come to them in a disco, no matter how many dance tunes they pounded out. and And how would they hear the truth without a preacher? No preacher would be caught dead in this place. Curiosity was gone, and in its place, I felt the undeniable compassion of Jesus surging in me. I wanted to weep for the precious, searching young people of Kimberly. They lived in a city that was diamond crazy. They did not know that they were the diamonds. They were the diamonds that God sought. They were more precious in His sight than mountains of wealth, and He cared enough to die for them. Suddenly, I could not care less what anyone thought of me, I knew. What I, I knew, that I would preach. In, what I would preach in that disco, nothing could deny the love of Jesus that I felt. I shut the door, and I looked at Howard, and I heard the Holy Spirit say in my heart, "Find the owner of the place." And so I said to Howard, "Help me find the owner of the disco." Well, what good will that that do? He said, "I must talk to him. Let's find him now." But how we? But what are you going to say to him? I will ask him to let me preach in this disco. <laughs> Howard laughed, you don't do that, (laughs) Reinhardt, and and I said, I absolutely will. Howard followed me now, and I inquired inside the disco, and we were led to an office in the rear of the building, and the owner was a middle-aged businessman who looked to be very much the part of a rock and roll culture. He had long hair, gold chains around his neck, and an open collared shirt and blue jeans. I said to him, sir, I've come all the way from Germany and I'm asking for your permission to allow me to address the young people in your disco for just five minutes. He looked me up and down uh, from top to toe and he said, you're a preacher. And I was still dressed in my suit and tie and I looked like I had just come from church, so I nodded. And he said, if you want to preach, go find a church and preach. There are no young people in church, I said. They don't come to church, so the preacher comes to the young people. Now give me five minutes, only five minutes, I ask of you. You've got to be kidding, he shook his head in disbelief, then turned around and walked away. There is no way, man. He had no sympathy for my plea at all. As he was walking away, suddenly the Holy Spirit touched me, and he said to me, Tell him what you saw when you looked into the dance hall. I went after the man, and I took him by the arm, and he turned around to face me. And once one question, sir, I said, Looking deep into his eyes, do you think the young people find what they need for life in your disco? Slowly the face of that man changed and he looked down thoughtfully. When he looked up again, he said, it's very strange that you should say that. I have children of my own and I've thought many times that the disco will not give the young people what they need for life. I beg you, sir, just give me five minutes. He was thoughtful for a moment. Okay, but not tonight. Saturday night tomorrow at midnight I will give you the microphone for five minutes I grabbed his hand and shook it it's a deal thank you sir I'll be here I was so happy I could have kissed him I could feel the Holy Spirit in the whole thing that was happening it was something I would never never have thought of on my own as Howard drove me to the room I began to beat myself up a little bit I'd only asked for five minutes how could I be so stupid I started to pray I said Lord I, I I foolishly asked only for 5 minutes. Now I'm stuck with 5 minutes because I put that number in his head. Why did I say that? After writing uh, in some more silence, I prayed again. A bit more, a bit bitter better this time. Lord, I said nothing is too hard for you. You created the world in 6 days. You can save the disco in 5 minutes. Please do not let me foolish let my foolishness be a problem. Amen. And all that night I tossed and turned and prayed and I prayed and prayed. And the next night, I preached to the old people at the church, and I remember nothing. I think I must have preached badly because my heart was pounding with anticipation for preaching to the lost in the disco right after. When the congregation had gone home to their houses, I asked Howard to drive me back to my room. I undressed from my suit and dressed in casual clothes. I didn't want to look like a preacher this time. I needed disco camouflage. Can you imagine? (laughs) <laughs> Howard went home and quick, uh, became all things to all people. Amen. Howard went home and quickly changed his clothes too. And as we got in his car, uh, got in his car, he paused to look at me. Reinhardt Bonke, what do you think the people of the church would think if they knew you were going where you were going tonight? I think they would never come to hear me again. I said, "You won't tell them, will you?" He smiled and shook his head. No, of course not. Nor will I. We drove to the disco at 11.30 p.m. I had a half hour to wait, and the parking lot was even more crowded on Saturday than it had been on Friday. I guess in Kimberly, they had what you might call Saturday night fever. (laughs) Yeah. I took my Bible under my arm uh, in my piano accordion, and I... (laughs) I don't know why I took piano accordion, but, but there it was. I took it with me into the disco like a security blanket. Inside, it was insanely crowded, shoulder to shoulder. We had to push our way between the people to get past them to find a place to sit. Finally, we came to a bar with a stool. I sat on the stool and waited for midnight. When at the last clock struck 12, the music stopped, and I jumped onto the stage uh, where the records were, begin- uh, were being spun. I took the microphone from the disc jockey and I shouted, sit down, sit down, sit down. I've come all the way from Germany, and I've got something very important to tell you. Suddenly, the people began sitting down everywhere. It was then that I realized I was not in church, but in a dance hall. There were no pews, only a few bar stools at the perimeter. Most of the young people plopped right down on the dance floor. There there they sat, smoking cigarettes and chewing gum and uh, waiting for me to, to begin. I started to preach one minute, then two minutes, then suddenly the Holy Spirit was there. I mean, the wind of God was moving in that disco, and suddenly I began to hear sobbing. I see young people getting out their handkerchiefs and starting to wipe their eyes, crying everywhere. And I know one thing, when people start shedding tears, it's time for an altar call. And I knew my time was flying. I said, how many of you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? How many want to find forgiveness for your sins and enter God's plan for your life? As of tonight, every hand I could see in the place went straight up. And I said, all right, then repeat after me. And we prayed through the prayer of salvation together. My five minutes were were up and my work was done. I left walking out on cloud number nine rejoicing, absolutely rejoicing that I had been privileged to help these young people find what they would never find in their disco. A year later, I returned to Kimberly. Howard met me at the airport and he said, get in my car, I have a big surprise for you. So I got in his car. He didn't say anything about it. He just drove through the uh, the winding streets until he came to the warehouse district. The car stopped, and I looked out the window. I couldn't believe my eyes. I wiped them and looked again. Instead of seeing the big disco sign, there was a huge white cross on the front of that building. This is not the surprise, Howard said. Come with me. We walked up to the to that door where we had to go. The door that the Holy Spirit had told me to open, and I remember the pounding music of the, the pounding beat of that music that had been that had assaulted my ears as we stood there that Saturday night. Now I heard nothing other than the sound coming from inside, and it was kind of a chant growing in volume. Are you ready for this, Reinhard? Howard swung the door open and I looked into the packed house full of young people. They were chanting, Bonky, Bonky, Bonky. I cried out with joy and they rushed to me, hugging me and, and shaking my hands and bringing me inside. One man said, Remember me? I was the disc jockey that night you came. And another one grabbed my hand and said, I was operating the light show. And another one said, We were dancing the night away. Now we're here serving Jesus. After you left town, the disco went bankrupt. Howard shouted to me, This disco is now a church. He was beaming from ear to ear, and a fine-looking gentleman came up to me. We heard about what happened to the young people here. My church has sponsored me to be a pastor to these kids. I stood again on that disco stage looking at those faces so different from the ones I had seen in the strobe lights a year ago. The lights were all the way up, and even more, the light of the Lord's favor was shining on every face. I pointed my finger to the heavens and shouted, Jesus! And they shouted back, Jesus! And then I said, Praise Jesus! And the crowd said, Praise Jesus! And then I said, He is Lord! And then the crowd shouted back, He is Lord! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now that disco was in the right way. Kimberly's true diamonds were shining in their Father's eyes. And he just closes with this encouragement. We must learn to hear His voice. We must learn to obey it. Not the voice of dull religion. Not the voice of our fears and prejudices. Jesus will send us to where the lost ones are. And he doesn't care if it makes us uncomfortable. It is always an adventure to follow his lead, seeking and saving the lost. name of this book is Even Greater by Reinhard Bonnke, if you're interested. There's 12 stories in there like that one. So I just want to encourage you with that this morning. Reinhard Bonnke is no different than us. We all have opportunities. God is just looking for that yes. He's just looking for that heart that will say yes and will obey, that will step out of the normal and step into something that scares us to death sometimes, step into an area and watch Him move that's what he's asking for today he's just asking for your unconditional yes he's asking for you to say yes His favors on us 2020 is a year the favorable year of the lord and so i just want to encourage you with these words as we move towards uh, communion if uh, can have uh, Ben and Jennifer <laughs> Mike or Darling, are you up for okay I need okay Mike will you be available for prayer and Rodney and Joyce would you serve on this side okay. <laughs> we're going to transition to communion I want you to think about the things that we've heard and the things that the Lord has spoken to you this morning this this is god leaning towards us this is god reaching towards us with favor this is his favor and it's for you it's for me and it's for a million other people outside these walls but like reinhardt said who, who's going to hear it unless someone's there to preach it to you, unless someone's there to love them and share it with them who's going to hear it So as we prepare to come you can get this, this morning, I just want you to pause for a moment in reflection and to open your heart for a minute and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you before we come for communion. I want you to just pause and just close your eyes. And just, just bow your head. I just pray right now that you would just begin to reveal to our hearts. Maybe there's already things that you've already begun revealing and showing us that you're calling us towards this year. Maybe there's new things even now in this moment that you wanna you wanna reveal to our hearts. But I pray that you would start a conversation with us right now, Lord, that will not quit. Holy Spirit just in the same way that you grieved Reinhardt's heart when he began to walk away from the disco and feeling like he didn't belong there shouldn't be there, in the same way you grieved his heart, grieve our hearts from the things that we're walking away from that you're saying we're called to. And also in the same way, put a burning in our hearts, Lord God, this year for the things that we're called to. God, we're believing You for the impossible this year. We're believing You for mountains to move, for chains to break, for all things to be made new. We say, Jesus, You are our year of jubilee. So, Lord, move in our hearts in a new way this year. Lead us to new waters, Lord God, and new things in You. and Find us faithful in your calling. Find us faithful. We give you today our unconditional yes. And we look with expectancy into 2020 for all that you want to do. We give you the glory and the honor. And as we observe this communion today, we remember your favor extended, your body broken, your blood poured out for the remission of our sins. And what we do in this house today, we do in remembrance of You, Jesus. We'll never forget. May it transform and change us today, even as Your Word does. We love You, we praise You, and we thank You. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand to our feet. As you come through the communion line today, uh, before you come, I want to. Uh, there's something I want you to take with you. Um, and share. You can share these as a small group, or you can share them if you're not a part of a small group, share it with your family. Maybe have a sit down time with your family. But um, these are just little uh, blank slips that say, as, as from the scripture that we've read this morning Glory to God in the highest, and peace to me. And then I want you to write your name in there, to whom God was pleased to. And then these next few lines are for you to write. Something that God did for you in 2019, some way that you saw his favor and blessing in your life, some way that he moved in your life. And as you fill that out, like I said, you can share this with your small group during your, during your group time, or you can share it as a family devotional this week. But This is just a good way to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and remember the things that he's done for us this year. So as you come through, I'll have these and you can take one from me. Let's come to the table. after you've taken the elements, you're free to go. God bless you and have a great rest of the day.